0: If this is your first Sunday, uh, here with us, we're, we've been going through the book of James. Um, James is the brother of Jesus. And James spent his whole life with Jesus, not liking him. Jesus was James' older brother. And throughout their relationship, the glimpses that we get into it from the Gospels are... Um, James making fun of Jesus, James disbelieving Jesus. And then after Jesus died and rose from the dead and called James Jesus to his brother, his brother who had made fun of him and not believed in him, Jesus says, and bring James. I want to see James. He revealed himself to James. And so James became a believer. and, And beyond just believing in Jesus, he became the leader of the church of Jerusalem, which was like the mothership of the church. And people went out into the whole world preaching the message of Jesus. And and to get an idea of what that would look like, um, have you ever felt here, even in Bremerton, like, if you leave this space where, if I say the name of Jesus, all of you guys are like, oh, yeah, that's what we're here for, but if you left this church and even went, like, say, into the shipyard or just downtown, if you said the name of Jesus out loud, the majority of people around you would be like, what? Right? <laughs> yeah, amen. So that is what it was like, but more extreme back then. So they were going out into the whole world, telling people the story of God. People who were completely unaware of it. There was a God who created the world and everything in it. A God who chose a people for himself. Out of the whole world. He made a promise to. He made a promise that, that through them, through Abraham, and then, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and through Israel, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And yet they disbelieved they walked away from God. But God was faithful to his promise and he came himself in the person of Jesus. And these are people who had never heard that message before. And so when they heard, they're like, God, what? But God, by his spirit, convicted them. And people were coming to know Jesus throughout the whole world. Isn't This, this is incredible. This is one of the most inspiring stories because literally everywhere they went, no one knew what they were talking about. But when they heard it, They knew it was true. And so they became Christians. But as they became Christians, and it became something that was fringe, not cool, like, oh, you're a Christian, let's kill him, it went from that to gaining popularity. What happened was, uh, people in the church, rather than desiring to speak about Jesus because they loved him with just a pure affection, wanting to give up everything just to speak about Jesus, know Jesus, and love Jesus. What happened was people started wanting to talk about him for popularity's sake or for their own gain. And that's what James, in the book of James, where we are, is talking about. So, if you got your Bibles, back in Sunday school they would do sword checks. Like sword checking, and be like, um, "Don't worry, I won't do that." In James three, verses one through twelve, he's talking about the way we use our words. But he starts out not talking about words themselves, but he addresses the leaders in the church. So we're just going to read the first two verses here in James three. It says, "Not many of you should be teachers." My fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James is addressing a people here who a lot of people are desiring to move into the position where they they stand up front and they talk. And he says, not many of you should be in that position. Why? Well, literally, what he's saying is because there is a special place in hell for you who are teachers and you who lead people astray. And that's a strong word. But it's a word that's needed to be heard by these people who have got totally... They think that leadership is a means of attention, a means of personal gain, and that is not what leadership is about. The word here, it's interesting. So in James 1, when it talks about teachers, the word literally in the Greek is master. And it's when people would come up to Jesus, this this word is most often used in describing Jesus in the New Testament. So when people would come up to Jesus and they'd say, Master, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? Or Master, what is, what is it that God tells us is most important to do? What is the great commandment? This is how they would address Jesus, because they saw him as one who was, they could come to to teach, not just in words, but in an entire life, what it means to follow God. So he says, not many of you should be in that place, because you will gain stricter judgment. To give you a taste of this, um, in Matthew 23, Jesus takes on uh, the spiritual leaders of the time. They're called Pharisees, kind of like the pastors of their day. And, um, and Jesus comes down on them hard. Um, I've, I've talked with a couple of friends about this, this kind of funny um, church billboard I saw recently, which it said, have you met the gentle and kind carpenter? And I was like, I want that guy to work in my house, right? Like, <laughs> we have this picture of Jesus. Who is... So the the joke for for me, I'll just explain it to you. The joke for for me was people who don't know the Bible but are going by that church don't know that Jesus was a carpenter, right? But this is often how we speak. And so the the ch- church a week later, it said. Have you read God's love letter to you recently? And so we have these assumptions about Jesus or even about the Bible, but then we read them and you're like, oh, Jesus took some people to task. He wasn't always gentle and kind. And he reserved that challenging word to people who were leaders in the church. And that's what you see in Matthew 23. You don't want to be on the receiving end of this. Matthew 23, 13, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, or masters of the law. Same word here. And Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are ouch right that's like wwf style like he's going at it with these leaders that if you heard that you'd say jesus don't be so harsh but jesus knew what that these people who were who people interested not just interest but awakened in their desire to know God, would come to them to hear about him. That's all they wanted to know. And they knew that if, if those people came to the Pharisees, they would get a polluted gospel. They would get a polluted idea of who God is. And they said, that is the worst sin. Guys, this is so serious. So, so serious. And, and I, I see this in the church. I, growing up, um, I think a lot of times um, I'd see how churches would act together. And, um, and I wonder, like, why? Why does that church seem to be so asleep? Or why does this church seem to be so distracted? And the, you guys want to know the truth? It's because their pastors were asleep and their pastors were distracted. I think there's a lot of people in churches who are coming hungering to know God. They just want to know Him. They've heard about Him, that they can come and and their guilt and their shame can can be freed from that. But instead of being freed from that, they have someone who isn't leading them in the way of truth. So leaders, what is a leader? A leader is not someone who is seeking position or popularity. He's someone who speaks really well someone with charisma it's not the person who has the most people following them but it's the person who humble sincerity speaks biblical truth not from themselves not just cuz they're a, a brainiac that can make something logical but literally because they have someone they are someone who has spent time with god and the spirit of god in them communicates, then, to the Spirit of God in other people. That's true leadership in the church. Paul, in Acts 20, he's leaving a people who he spent a lot of time with, the church of Ephesus. And he says, remember how for three years, three years I spent night and day with you in tears speaking to you about Jesus. Where where are those leaders in the church? That's what we want. That's what you should pray for. That's what you as a church should pray for. Your leadership should be. Um, I was talking with my dad um, after first service, and he said I looked a little nervous. I think first service, and I think that's because I'm preaching on this. (laughs) Right? That's hard. (laughs) Because I am not perfect. And that's where James ends. He says, We... James, including himself, we will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And the truth is, neither am I. And so I covet your prayers. We as the pastors of your church, to be people who, when we come up, we don't care what you think about us. The desire of our hearts is to communicate as clearly as possible how good God is. And that Jesus is calling you into relationship with himself. The clearer we can make that, the better it is. If I stumble, if I stutter, if I make a fool of myself, that's okay. (laughs) As long as you hear who he is and can respond to that. The reason why this is hit so hard by James is because he knows that words have power. He knows that, that people are far more easily persuaded than they'd like to be. You have probably have been too. You've probably been duped into to buying something at some point in your life that you realized that you were just making an emotional decision. Um, <laughs> right? Like magazines from somebody knocking on your door or Girl Scout cookies while you're on a diet. Like, all those things. <laughs> Words have power. A couple of years ago, um, I was leading with some other guys, a community group at our house. Uh, we called the Stoop House. And it was this cool, old, kind of brick colonial house with a massive basement that could hold a ton of people. And, and a lot of people came to community group. More and more people. And um, it was a fun time, because all of us were kind of in our 20s and... Uh, a lot of us knew to Bremerton and and so we bonded really quickly but in that time there there seemed to be a kind of a stunting I think of our our encouragement of one another in the faith and I didn't you know it's one of those things that you realize but you don't know you don't know how to break past that barrier and it actually came reading James 3 where I started realizing where some of that I think some of that um, barrier was for us. In James 3, it goes on talking about leaders, and it says, in verse 3, it says, when we put bits in the mouth of a horse to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider how a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And this truth hit me literally like a Mack truck because I realized that even though people were enjoying one another and more and more people were coming, it it wasn't necessarily true that we were getting any better at encouraging one another in the faith. Okay, if you know anything about the 20-something crowd, we don't always use our words well. Right, thankfully, I'm in my 30s now. I'm just joking. Uh, now, all of us, all of us need need to realize this. We don't always use our well our words well. Oftentimes, we will take jabs at each other. We will cut each other all in the sake of joking. Right? We'll say something that that isn't nice. we'll be like, "Oh, you know, I'm kidding." And so what we started talking about here in James, it says the tongue is like a rudder, that even though the ship is massive, it it can steer, that little rudder will steer the whole thing in one direction. And so as groups, we started talking about what does it look like to be a people who recognize the scary, awesome power of speaking. The scary, awesome power of speaking. Because the Bible is full of how speech, words, have immense power. Think about this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. How did he do that? It says, and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be division of the night and the day. And God spoke and said, right? Right? It says in John 1.1, 1, 1, talking about Jesus, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. We know that words have incredible power. But, but for some reason, we became so dead to that, we didn't recognize that. And in our lives, we didn't realize that when we speak, what we are communicating literally is from the Spirit that is in us, to the spirit that is in other people. So the question really is, what spirit is in you? Because what you say reveals that. In Matthew 12, it says, from the mouth comes what is in the heart. So, so what you say literally is revealing what's in you, and you are giving that to the spirit in other people. In Colossians 3, it says this. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Peace. Listen, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let me read that again. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you, among you, richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is the power of the church. The power of the church is the hope, the incredible hope that you are changed people because God has taken away your spirit, your heart of rebellion against him, and he's put his spirit in you. And so the spirit you speak with no longer has to be your own clumsy wisdom. But it can be God himself speaking from you to other people. That is my only hope when I communicate on Sunday mornings is that by God's grace, he will speak. Because the only leader you want to hear is someone who, who God's using to open deaf ears and open blind eyes that People in bondage will become people in freedom. People who have walked in darkness will be people who walk in light. And that will only happen if the spirit from which I speak is the spirit of God because the word will dwell among us richly. And then that your spirit will receive that. And you'll become more like Jesus. That's the hope of the church. These aren't just words. These aren't just ideas. But it's God himself breathing life into this moment because he is speaking. Amen? (laughs) That's that's good. We want that. So we need to pray for one another and make that our passion. So what spirit is in you? The third thing is, so you have the need for trustworthy leadership, the power of words. The third thing is that there is also danger in them. Because there is incredible blessing in them, Right? If, if I'm someone who's sensitive to the Spirit of God, and when I speak to you, I can communicate, discerning his, his voice. But I also can be an incredible hindrance to you. And that's scary. There's danger in that. That's the scary, awesome power of speaking our faith. In James 3, it says, The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. In verse 8 it says, It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I think you've probably seen that in your life. How, How your voice, it can be full of life. You can see someone who you've known brighten up because you spoke a message of love to them. But you've probably also seen how your words can be poison and kill. Um, over the, the past couple of years, I've had the honor of uh, speaking at the Juvenile Detention Center. And I love going there because you have kids, like, full attention. <laughs> like, if if they're on the outs and you try talking to them, like... I'm not cool enough, you know. But it, you're the entertainment if you're on the inside, so <laughs> you know, they're on their orange jumpsuits and they gather around, and I always say, circle the wagons, and we all make our tables all together, and we're, like, sitting there. And something that, that every time I've been last year, um, Daryl and some of the street hope team gets to go now, um, but when I would teach, every time I would, I would use this example and I would say watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. And watch your character because it becomes your destiny. Okay? I'm going to say this again. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits, your character, and your character, your destiny. And every time I've said that, and there's times I've been able to speak with them and their parents, and oftentimes when I speak with their parents, this is what they do afterwards, and I present like a PowerPoint, they always come up and they're like, hey, can we like take a picture of that? Because it's true. And this is how I describe it to the kids. I say, "You, so you will probably hear what we're talking about and you'll see the consequences of your actions so far and you'll think, I never want to be here again. The food's horrible. I don't like orange. I never want to come back to juvie again. And so you're going to go out and you're going to think, I'm going to, I'm going to do what's right. And, go, and because of that decision, you're going to be incredibly lonely. That's the reality of it. Oftentimes, too, when you decide to follow Jesus and you aren't surrounded by a church, it can also be incredibly lonely. Be- Why? Because the people you've surrounded yourself by in the past don't support that decision, right? The people you've surrounded yourself by in the past have all typically probably drawn you back to those behaviors that got you in trouble in the first place. But I said, "But you'll be out, and so for like two days, you'll be cool, and then a buddy's going to call you, and you're going to start reminiscing about what happened in the past." Oh, wasn't that a lot of fun when we went and we jacked that car? Or remember when we, right? And you're going to start glorifying those times. Then we got wasted and we were, right? And that, and so all of a sudden, it's, it's working itself out in your thoughts. And then your buddy's going to be like, dude, if you're bored, just come over and let's hang out. Danger, right? <laughs> you're going to move from that into actions. The actions will be habits, And you're going to be like, why do I keep doing this over and over and over again? And watch that, because it will become your character. It will become the way people label you. And you'll be like, I'm not that, but the fact is, it's become your character and your greatest desire. And that's a scary place to be, because it will become your destiny. And that's exactly what it's talking about here in James, where it says, it it, it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire fire by hell. Because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so, <laughs> what I challenge you guys with today is to be people who discern from what spirit you speak and think that God has given you a scary awesome Ability to speak powerfully about your faith. A scary, awesome ability. Because there's those moments you've shared, I know, especially you who have been in the church for a while. There's those moments where you you get to sit with somebody and and you're talking about Jesus with them and, and they are receiving it and they're speaking back to you. And you get to the end of that time and you realize you were listening to God, not even one another. And that's like the most beautiful. That's what I want my whole life. That's all I want. I want. I want to hear the Spirit of God speak from other people to me and me to get myself enough out of the way that the Spirit of God in me can speak to you. And somehow be a great blessing on your life and encourage you and help you mature in faith. Because I've stopped just trying to impress you. But I want, I want that God would be greater and me to be less even in my own life. Do you guys remember moments you've had like that? When you got enough out of the way. You got enough out of the way that, that God himself could, could share his life with others through you. And, and those are just living moments. Those are the moments we know we're alive. I think the opposite is also true. I think if we're people who have never spoken our faith faithfully we will also wonder what spirit is in us. Because God has given himself to you not just for yourself alone, and it can be a very personal experience, but not just to be held within you, but that you can experience his presence and then welcome people into the family also. The family of God. And then you can share that intimacy together, and that that is what the Christian life is like. So, applying these things, the first thing is this I challenge you guys to protect your ears. To protect your ears against leadership that will just try to impress you, or leadership that doesn't preach from the Bible, that just impresses you because it's, they're fun or popular. <laughs> right, protect your ears and learn to discern spiritual truth, be a person of the word. Um, the second is this. Be a person who watches what you say. And watches what you say because it reveals the spirit you're living from. If you find yourself joking crudely or putting people down or being unkind, you can discern really quickly. Well, the, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and patience and kindness. and That's not the spirit from which I'm living and to humbly come to God and, and beg him to put in you his spirit that you can speak from. Third thing is this, to see where you're going. Right? When you look ahead, what do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as someone who invests in the maturity of faith of those around you? Who is learning to speak from the spirit of God within you to the spirit of God in other people? are you just content with not speaking at all? Guys, there's nothing that that makes you feel alive in the spirit as much as when you can see him using you to show himself to other people. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. And that's what we learn here in, in Colossians, where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit of God with gratitude in our hearts. So be those people. Let us be a church that is that. The people come. Why? (laughs) Well, because the Spirit of God is alive here communicating himself and that we are learning just to love it and say yes to it and sing with all our hearts, go and speak to one another. Um, That that is the dream for the Refuge Church, that teaching doesn't even just happen from up here, but literally, (laughs) as the word of Christ dwells among us richly, you guys are just sharing that, and that's the joy we have. Um, I'll end by just saying this. Um, if, If God has spoken to you this morning and you, you want to be that person who speaks faithfully, what you will find is that you feel like an infant learning to speak again. You're not going to leave here and be like, oh, I've known Jesus for 20 years, or five, or however long. Like, sweet, I'm going to be awesome at this. You're going to go, and you're going to be like, ugh. It's going to be learning again, because you'll realize that what you're saying, you want to be God himself communicating through you. And it's going to be learning to do that. But be courageous and persevere in that, and you'll be. It's I don't think you'll just, you'll be an incredible joy to those around you. Um, so let's be that kind of church. Um, I'm just going to end praying for us and, and praying in Psalm 19. It says, um, "O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer." And so let's pray and and pray that each together. Um, as we close here and worship him. <laughs> oh God, as we hear a time, uh, during a time like this, words that are so clear of all that you have offered us to not just be people who live by our best ideas, but people who learn to discern your spirit speaking in us learn to be quiet before you and hear you. God, it's humbling. It is so humbling. So God, we pray by your grace the, the words of our mouths, the language of our hearts, the meditations of our minds will be pleasing to you. And let's just be a people. Let us be a people that just have crazy amounts of joy because we learn to share you with one another. God, we love you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.